Uh, well, friends, uh, have you ever had guests come to your house unexpectedly? Uh, have you ever had guests come to your house unexpectedly? Uh, we sometimes have people uh, dropping by our house, uh, which we love, uh, but it's always a frantic rush to get the house presentable before we let them in. Uh, you know, there's a pile of dirty dishes, and so we kind of uh, stack it up neatly to, to one side. Uh, we pick up the cushions from the floor and uh, uh, put it neatly on the sofa. Uh, we send our children who are unwashed and ungroomed uh, to their room so that they'll be a little bit out of sight. Uh, my wife is flying around everywhere, and uh, we want to make our house presentable so that when our guests come in, we will not feel ashamed. And uh, I want to suggest to you this morning that the Apostle John writes this part of the Bible because he wants his readers to not feel ashamed. He wants them not to be ashamed, but to be confident uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in glory. Uh, You know, Jesus has already appeared in this world to live and to die and, and to rise again as the Lord and ruler and master of all things. But he is going to appear again as the one who will judge the hearts of all. And so John wants his readers to be confident and not ashamed on that day. Uh, You can see it there if you have your Bibles. Have a look with me at chapter 2, verse 28. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 28. John says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Friends, will you be confident when Jesus returns? Or will you be ashamed? Uh, If Jesus were to come back uh, tonight and he knows the deep secrets of our hearts, will we be confident before him Or will we be ashamed? It's a question that has serious relevance for every single person here this morning because Jesus is not just the Lord and ruler and master of Christian people, but he is actually the rule and 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 ruler and lord and master of all people. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. And so will you be confident on that day? Well, who are the ones who can be confident when Jesus appears again? Uh, John goes on to explain that the ones who can be confident are those who are the children of God. The children of God. Uh, And I want you to notice in the passage uh, a number of things about these children. Uh, Firstly, notice that they are the ones who know in their hearts that God in heaven is their Father who loves them. They are the ones who know in their hearts that God is the one who is their Father who loves them. Uh, you can see it there in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, have a look at chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we shall be called the children of God, and so we are. You see, God's love can be seen in the fact that he has made us his children. But how did we become his children? 
Well, it didn't happen in a maternity war, did it? Not all people who are born physically are God's children. Neither was it through human effort. It's not because uh, someone is a good person or a decent person that they become God's child. Truth be told, uh, we are all those who have ignored and rejected God's will in our lives, aren't we? Uh, No, friends, uh, we are the ones who have become children of God because in his great love, he has adopted us as his children. Uh, You know, if you are born to human parents, there is no guarantee that you are loved, is there? Uh, I mean, I I hope that my parents love me, and uh, and I know that they do. But there are lots of parents who have children who are unwanted and unloved. But if you are adopted... If somebody has come and adopted you, then at the very least you know that you are loved. You know that uh, they yearned for you, they wanted you, they loved you. You see, God's children are the ones who see that they are loved because the Father has adopted them uh, to be his own. Uh, Secondly, notice that children of God are different. Uh, Again, in chapter 3, verse 1, Uh, Towards the middle, John says, The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, which is talking about Jesus. In other words, when Jesus came into this world, the, the world rejected him. You know, the darkness will always try to hide from the light. And so those who follow Jesus can expect similar treatment from the world. I mean, think about the Christian office worker, for example, who eats her lunch on her own because she refuses to take part in office gossip. Or the Christian person who is ridiculed and considered weird by his peers for refusing to uh, engage in sexual immorality. Children of God are different. And thirdly, can you see that children of God are those whose greatest hope is to see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face on the day that he returns? Uh, You can see it there in chapter 3, verse 2. Have a look with me at uh, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him and uh, purifies himself as he is pure. You see, friends, children of God are the ones who are so captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ that their hope is in him, that they wait expectantly for him to return because there is no greater thing than to see him face to face. And this future reality of seeing Christ face to face shapes their life now. Uh, Friends, uh, it's a bit like uh, getting a a tax refund. Uh, Has anyone done their tax returns yet this year? Uh, A number of us. uh, uh, You might be waiting for a huge tax refund. Uh, I, I did my tax return the other day and my tax agent informed me that uh, I was going to get this massive 
tax refund. Uh, it was $100. <laughs> now, uh, it's not in my hands yet. Uh, I, I'm going to have to wait for it a little bit. But because I know with certainty that it is going to be in the bank account, uh, it actually shapes my living now, doesn't it? Uh, when I came back from the tax agent, I just uh, made plans to spend my fortune. <laughs> you see, children of God are those who have a certain hope, friends, of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. And because that future is certain, it begins to shape life now. We long to become like him in doing right, in being pure, in loving others. Is this you? Do you long to see Jesus so much that your life now is being transformed more and more into the image of his son? Uh, now, friends, uh, we've seen that the ones who can be confident when Jesus appears again are those who are the children of God. But uh, what are these children like? Uh, what are these children like? Well, uh, one of the very difficult parts of this letter, I think, is that John seems to say that genuine children of God who have no cause to be ashamed are those who are, in some sense, sinless. Are those who are, in some sense, sinless. Uh, you can see it, for example, in chapter 3, verse 6. Have a look with me at chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, John says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Uh, I think a better translation of this verse actually says, everyone who abides or remains in him does not sin. Everyone who abides in Jesus does not sin. Uh, or come down with me to verse 9. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Uh, again, a better translation is, Everyone who has been born of God does not sin. What on earth can John mean by this? Uh, if you're a little bit confused at the moment, uh, I don't actually blame you. For uh, if you remember, uh, in chapter 1, verse 8, John says, in chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Do you remember that verse? If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so what John is saying there is that those who are genuine children of God will continue in this life to, to struggle with sin. So we should not deceive ourselves and deny that we are sinful. Uh, but here in chapter 3, can you see that John seems to be saying... The opposite. Those who are the genuine children of God are those who cannot sin. In some way, they will be sinless. I wonder whether you see the tension. And if John is saying that genuine children of God will be sinless, then who among us can claim that we do not sin? Well, friends, uh, I'll tell you how some Christians have uh, tried to make sense of this passage. 
Uh, firstly, some people say that what John here is really talking about is habitual sin. Uh, habitual sin. It's not just sin that we all commit from time to time. It's actually talking about uh, habitual sinning. And so, for example, uh, I'm guessing that in your Bibles, in verse 6, uh, the Bible translator has understood this passage as no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Keeps on sinning. And so if you are a genuine child of God, then you will not be in the habit of continuing to sin. Now, I wonder what you think about that. Uh, I don't know about you, but if this were the case, then uh, I think I'm in a bit of trouble here. For what counts as habitual sin? I'm fairly sure that I struggle with certain sins in my life that I've been struggling with for years and years. It's not that um, I'm unrepentant. It's not that uh, I want to continue in these sins, for I know that it grieves God, but I just end up failing again and again and again. And I wonder whether that's true for you as well. No, I don't think that what John is speaking about here is about habitual sins. Um, I think that because of uh, certain grammatical reasons that I won't go into. But I just want to say that this kind of reading of John 3, um, I think, is a bit of a a red herring. Secondly, uh, some people say that what John is talking about here is not sin in general, but he's talking about a particular type of sin. A particular type of sin. If you... Uh, sin in this particular way, then you disqualify yourself from, from being a child of God, they say. And I think they say it because if you have a look at chapter 3, verse 4, uh, chapter 3, verse 4, notice that John says that sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And so the sin of lawlessness must be a particular type of sin that excludes you from being a child of God. Uh, But friends, I don't think the sin of lawlessness is a particular type of sin that is worse than any other sin. Uh, It's just a description of what sin actually is, isn't it? Sin is rebellion against God. It's saying to God, uh, I don't actually want you ruling my life. I'm perfectly happy living my life the way I want to live it, and so I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to find out about you. I don't, I'm not interested in living your way or, your, or following your laws. It is lawlessness. All sin is lawlessness. You see, friends, sin is about much more than just doing wrong things in our lives. In fact, uh, you and I can live a perfectly decent, reasonable life, but in our hearts be rebelling against God and being lawless. Uh, There's a well-known illustration about uh, a good sailor. Uh, This sailor does all the right things, He scrubs the decks, he he mends the sails, 
he takes care of others on the ship. Uh, he's a very hard-working, good sailor. But when you actually have a look at the boat that he's sailing on, you notice that on the top of the boat is a flag with a skull and crossbone. You see, the problem is not that he is being bad in his actions. The problem is that he's on the wrong ship. He's a rebel. He's fighting for the wrong cause. And friends, we are all like this, aren't we? We all sin in the sense of rebelling against God's law and his rule and his word. We are ignorant of him. We don't want to do what he says. And so I don't think that John is talking about a different category of sin that is much more serious than normal sin. I think John is genuinely saying that those who are children of God will, in some sense, be those who are sinless. And so how can this be the case? Well, friends, I want to suggest to you that the answer is found in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus who, in the way that matters, makes us sinless before God. Uh, You can see it there, I think, in chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, You know that he, that is Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And if you have a look down to verse 8, verse 8, John says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You see, friends, Jesus appeared, it says, in order to take away our sins, to remove them, to deal with them, to take away the guilt of our sins and the penalty of our sins. He appeared in order to defeat the work of the devil who entices us to sin. And where did he appear to do this? Well, some people think that where Jesus appeared in order to win this victory was when he came into this world in human flesh. But I actually think that what John is talking about here when he mentions the appearing of Jesus to win the victory is actually... Jesus appearing before the Father in heaven, offering the sacrifice of his blood as a high priest to take away our sins. That's the appearance that he's talking about. You see, the astonishing news of Christianity is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. He died on an old wooden cross to take the punishment that you and I deserved for sinning against God, for being lawless and rebelling against God in our lives. But this Jesus conquered the grave and he came, he he rose again from the grave, bodily, showing himself to his disciples before he ascended into heaven and appeared before the Father in heaven, offering the sacrifice of his blood 
so that our sins can be taken away, removed, utterly dealt with. And the wonderful news, friends, is that God now says to each and every one of us that if we would turn back to him, if we would put our trust in what he has done for us in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will forgive us our sins and will give us a new life that stretches for all eternity. And he will cover our sinfulness. He will deal with them and he will give us the righteousness of his Son so that in God's eyes we can be sinless before him. You see, friends, there is a way to be sinless in God's eyes. It's not that we will, uh, we will cease to struggle with sin in our lives, in this life. We will continue to struggle. But it is because the blood of Jesus can powerfully deal with the guilt and penalty of our sins and take it away from God's eyes. And it is only by trusting in this Jesus who loved you who loved me so much that he sent his son to die for us that I can have confidence that when Jesus returns, my sins will be covered. I do not need to be ashamed. Friends, last Sunday uh, I got a call from an older lady in our church. Uh, She called to say that one of the ladies in our primetime seniors ministry had died suddenly and unexpectedly. Uh, She had a stroke uh, last week, and by the time she got to hospital, she had lost her life. Five minutes later, I got a call about V. The operation went badly. She was on life support. The doctors did not hold much hope. You see, friends, the question of whether you and I will be confident on the day we see Jesus face to face is not an academic question, is it? We might think that we are in control of our lives and all things are going well and our wealth is increasing and we are experiencing all the good things in this life But whether it happens suddenly in an instant or whether Jesus returns in our lifetime, one day you and I will stand before the Lord of all things. And God says that on that day, the only way to avoid shame is to have trusted in the blood and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I know that both Hazel and V had confidence because they trusted in the blood of Jesus. Their lives had been transformed. They lived for Jesus. They loved others and served others because of what Jesus had done for, for them. And they wanted to make him known. But friends, uh, what about you? Uh, What about me? 
One day Jesus will appear, and on that day will we be confident. Uh, If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, can I plead with you today to do that today? Uh, It's no use putting it off, for we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, Perhaps uh, the first step for you might be to uh, find out more about this Jesus that V believed in. If you'd like to speak to someone about this further, then I'm sure you can uh, grab a Christian friend who will only be too happy to share uh, the news of uh, Christianity with you. And you might want to ask him or her to show you how you might begin trusting Jesus and following him in your life. If you can't find anyone, uh, come and grab me. Uh, I'll only be too happy to help and to speak to you. This is too important to keep on putting off. Well, finally, friends, uh, trusting in Jesus and having confidence in him really does change our lives. Uh, Just like uh, I bear the resemblance of my earthly father. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm short and, uh, you know, um, I'm a bit round and getting rounder by the day, uh, losing my hair. Uh, those who are children of God become like their father, but in much more wonderful ways. They do what is right. They exercise love towards others. They are pure in heart. Uh, You can see it there in chapter 3, verse 10, can't you? Chapter 3, verse 10, uh, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Uh, Friends, uh, I was uh, so proud this week in uh, seeing the way so many of you loved V and her family and the way you loved one another through the shock and grief of what happened. Uh, I was so proud of the way you walked with those who were grieving. I was so proud of the way you encouraged one another, uh, not with false hope, but with the real and certain and sure hope that we have in the gospel. Uh, I was so proud of the way in which you looked to the good of others and prayed for others, And I'm not proud about these things because I somehow had something to do with them. But I'm proud and I'm boastful in the Lord because of his work in making you his children and helping you to express that to others in your love and in your faith and enabling you to walk in righteousness. Let's pray.